it's like putting steak sauce on a good steak you know popcorn without butter isn't popcorn and it's just like you, know, you eat the popcorn because it's with butter and then you feel like crap when you don't eat it yeah i love that uh when george r. r martin was doing the tour of the theater he owns in new mexico he's like best way to watch a movie large popcorn with butter cherry coke oh. i'm like this guy george you'd be yeah. good that sounds that's, like a dream. That's the perfect mix. Maybe a slushy with the Coke. I'm not a big slushy guy, though. I know you and Ash are. I haven't gotten a slushy in years. I feel like the last, the last movie I've seen with you guys, you got a slushy. A skin rink? You guys got slushies, didn't you? <laughs> I don't think we got slushies. Nash probably did. I think Nash did get a slushy for skin rink. I mean, that is a slushy movie, though. Oh, God. That is like a lentil movie. <laughs> a soup and lentils? <laughs> yeah. Nah, doing two already got it planned out. I'm getting the largest popcorn I possibly can get. Oh, that's my first movie back in the theater from Skinner Rink is Dune 2. Damn. Going off. You're a real film head, dude. Big. Catching big all film the movies. Head. Can we count that, Dune that is as a my, crazy uh, gap from the movie theaters? Not to say that like it's a long time, but like the fact that it's Skinner Rink to Dune 2. <laughs> I haven't been to the theater in a while, actually, either. I think the last one was Wonka. That was Wonka. It sucked. I'm trying that's to think of the last movie I watched in a the theater. Oh, Dune. <laughs> I saw it in IMAX. You saw Dune nice recently in theater? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I went to go. They put it out in theaters. They put it in IMAX. But before that, it was a long time. It was the Iron Claw. The Iron... uh, Everybody's talking about the Dune bucket. What does that mean? You, didn't you see haven't the seen the Dune bucket? It's only no, for AMC, not... actually, but. Well, like the Dune bucket. Get all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. it looks like a. It looks like a. A, a sexual thing. Like the worm is going to top you off. <laughs> and everybody's joking about putting their hand in the doom bucket. It's just inconvenient. That would be a good top from the worm. It does. <laughs> it's like when I put my hand in popcorn, I want to take the most possible out of it. I don't want to be restricted by the bucket at all. But I am a sucker for promotional popcorn buckets and cups. I have so many of them in my apartment that I just never use. But I'll I'm always a sucker buy to them. get them and I never use them after. It's just a waste oh, yeah, of no. like an extra four dollars. Right behind me I have Batman and Spider Verse. I think I have uh, Doctor Strange somewhere. Rogue One What's is where I keep one? all my train my chains. Change. Oh so. I was gonna say you're iced up. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you have a favorite bucket? That'd be actually so sick. I might start getting iced up just so I can just put them all in my Rogue One popcorn bucket. I feel like not enough people wear chains these days. It's like, oh man, I have nowhere to put my popcorn. It's like, oh no, why don't you use your Rogue One bucket? <laughs> oh, you mean my ice bucket? You mean the bling bucket? Come on. Yeah. Uh, nah, man, that's where I keep all my bling. So, sorry, man, can't use that. Oh man, I didn't know you were chill like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Soup. I am Bo Oliver, joined here today with Aaron, the Nerd Soup Monkey, and Teddy. And we are back to talk about, you see it from the title, Dune. We're gearing up for Dune Part 2, and uh, yeah, we'll probably be releasing our review of that tomorrow, which will only feature me and Aaron, because Teddy, you're going, well, technically right now, you're in the Caribbean, right? Yeah, if you're doing it, no, I'm going Monday. Oh, so can you make it Sunday night? I what mean, time? you still won't be on the review because we're going to review it Monday morning. Well, then there's unless probably we do this. no seats left. Oh, Aaron, I thought you grabbed two tickets. Yeah, one for me, one for you. Oh, Aaron no, I grabbed my own me, ticket. Ever. It doesn't matter. if he, he'll, he'll say now that I'm going away. He'll never get me a ticket, ever. 
So he could have used that. He could have waited and uh, he could have spun that as he was thinking of you. Because I thought that's why he grabbed two. I thought he was going for the Teddy ticket. Why would I get? No, I got two for us. I know, but I I had already got mine. Finish the sentence you were going to (laughs) say. Teddy, you haven't been to a movie theater, like you said, since Skin and Marink. You never, like, to think that you're going to come to a movie is insanity. A movie like this isn't insanity. A movie like Skin Marink is insanity. And you, I made you, it didn't see, you haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. The fuck's that got to do with it? I don't know. Just the other biggest fucking movie of the year. So don't why make, is it a reach for you this. not to see Dune 2 when you haven't seen Oppenheimer? You didn't see Barbie. Like, you don't see Barbie? movies. Yeah. Barbie was a big blockbuster hit. Oh, I don't know. It made a fucking shit ton of money. All right. All I'm saying is you could have asked. Ruben asked. Or Bo asked. Oh, damn it. No, no you're still Bo. At this point. They know. <laughs> you're still Bo. Who the fuck knows at this point? It's but, fun for the lower. Yeah. Um, what do just we say, do? Just apologize for not thinking of me at all. Just saying my bad. My no, bad, I'm no. not going to apologize. Do you want to come? I can't. But Okay. Should I refund I one of the tickets or do you want to refund your ticket and take Teddy's? What time is the movie? 7.30. Mm, no, no, I'm not going to make that. <laughs> okay. God, it's so good to have you back, man. I'll tell you what. It's it's fun to go and me and Aaron because it's a bit more chill. But when you're here, it just uh you never know what we're gonna get. It's been a lot a lot of backhanded compliments coming around. Not one <laughs> well, compliment. Just Everything's like, backhanded. Yeah. Everything. No, I was saying, saying it's fun. He, I'm saying, saying he it likes my he likes my company because you know, I'm like comic relief. Yeah, no, you're literally the court jester. Not for my riveting oh, thoughts. Well, that's just yeah. mean. Uh, that's comic cr- relief. That's crazy. It's a fun thing to be comic relief. That you know, the, you're the C three PO of Nerd Two. I'll take that. What the robot that speaks millions of languages? That's Teddy. Yeah, we're off to a terrible start right now. <laughs> Ted, where, you've been doing Duolingo, right? No, my dad failed me growing up. He didn't teach me Italian. Your dad speaks it fluently. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, he dropped the ball. Mamma mia. All right, let's get into this uh, Dune review. Dune Revisited. It's fun. It's, uh, you know, it's only been out for three years, but we're already <laughs> looking back on it. It's a movie for a long time that was considered unfilmable. And then Denis Villeneuve said, I guess you guys don't know what I'm capable of. And he filmed it, and it turned out to be a very good movie that many people enjoyed. And uh, based on the early tracking, it looks like Dune Part 2 is going to be an even bigger hit. So, yeah, let's just talk a little bit. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about Dune. I'll start it. I'm going to be probably pretty short. No, I mean, not short, but Aaron will get more into it. I'll just get my initial thoughts. I haven't seen it since it, uh, since it dropped. And even then it was kind of shoddy because I was kind of falling asleep, but <laughs> watching it now, I can, and I heard all the hype about it and how good it was. I was just like agreed, but after watching it, it was like, I can fucking totally see why everyone loves this movie. It was so good and call me crazy, but I don't think there was that great of acting performances and that says a lot about the movie itself because for how good it is and the acting which the acting wasn't bad i'm just saying it wasn't like a big standout uh says a lot about uh villeneuve and his storytelling ability no i think arrakis is like more the star of the show um or just the settings um i did notice that too when i was watching it and spent like just talking about wonka before i'm like is chalamet like that is he good in this because I didn't think he was good in Wonka. Uh, I know he's a good actor, but and I and I hear his performance in part two is is really good as well. Um, but I, I didn't know if I if 
I should attribute that, that more to um, just some of the things that are being said and talked about at certain parts of the movie are just a little awkward too, I guess, say, and it doesn't feel natural. But a couple of times I'm like, ooh. But overall, I do think uh, the cast But is that is his acting cool. though? Like, because he is a boy that's in this new world and he has to try and like get accustomed to it quick. So it's like, I mean... No, some he, of the just delivery sounded off to me. I don't know if I was oh, just okay. looking too much into things, but uh, overall, I think it was a fine performance. And that's one of the big biggest things leading up to this movie when it first came out, just the cast list. It seemed like every day, like uh, another heavy hitter was being added to this world and they're doing the same with the sequel. But I left watching this one again, kind of in the same place I was when I first saw it. Like, I thought it looked tremendous. Like Villeneuve, like Ruben said before, like, filming the what was once bef- once thought to be unfilmable and just doing an excellent job directing um and creating this world it's always uh my highest praise for world building when it comes to fantasy and television or movies is like i'm so wrapped up into it that i'll spend the next three hours in bed like on youtube just going through lore of dune which i did after watching uh this one again uh it is a fucking massive massive world that it's really interesting when you really like dig deep into like why things the way they are and how this current situation came to be. But um, I can see why people might think it's unfilmable when you get all that information. But he did a good job of really taking what was most needed for the story and implementing it into the film. Um, and that's why I'm so excited for part two. I still have it rated around the same. I do think there are some criticisms that are valid when it comes to uh, it not really feeling like a complete movie, more of a part one rather than its own thing. But I think that all goes away once part two comes out. And if it's on the same level or surpasses the first one and really paints a complete picture, I think some of those people who have that opinion, like myself, will kind of detract from that and just be like, okay, now that I see the whole thing, this is just one big fucking giant masterpiece. Yeah, but this got put out as a part one, though, wasn't it? Or- right, sure. Uh, did you like. I guess in the sense of like, if you watch any of the Lord of the Rings or maybe some of the original Star Wars, like A New Hope, Empire, like they feel like, even though they are parts of a a trilogy, part one and part two, uh, removed from that trilogy, they'd still work as a complete movie. Mm -hmm. Which I think- Yeah, this one needs part two to feel finished, is what you're saying. Right. And that's, I don't know, it's tough. It's It's not a bad thing though. No, I'm not, it's it's not, um, but it is something that a lot of people have pointed out and could kind of, you know, feel unfulfilled at the end. Um, but after watching it, once the movie ended, I was just made me more excited and amped for part two. And it also helps that 98% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is fucking incredible for a That's movie just like this. high though, man. I don't like that. <laughs> now I got I mean, expectations I, going Dude, in. I would have been, like, I would have been excited for like anything over an 80 and I think the first one was like an 83. So like to come out at, at 95 early on and then get even higher to a 98, I was like, okay, this shit's about to fucking rock. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the point, my infamous point about Game of Thrones Season 8, that it was going to be good no matter what because there was just so much epic stuff on the horizon. And I think it looks like Villeneuve has completely nailed that because a lot of the reviews have been saying the action has improved. And I think sometimes in the part one, the action feels a little weightless, 
which is also fine because, you know, it is an action movie, but he nails the, the sets and the settings and the, and the costuming and the world is just, you just get totally lost in it. So when those action moments happen, I was a little disappointed when watching it uh, the first time, but like I said, it, it seems like he really improves on that. And there are some some epic, epic moments that we have waiting in store for part two. But going to uh, Teddy's point about the cast, it is kind of funny how Momoa ends up being the best performance of the movie, just <laughs> on Brolin. every watch. Brolin's my least favorite casting choice because the character was changed so much. Gurney Halleck in the book is supposed to be like out of shape, uh, louder. He's always quoting the Bible. He's he's playing his little instrument all the time. He's just more of a like a colorful character. And I think that how Momoa's character Brolin's, was. Yeah, Momoa has way more personality than Gurney. And Gurney mm, is just nose. like military guy. Yeah. Which is cool because people see Josh Brolin and they're like, yeah, he's perfect to just play a hardened military guy. Like he's known as the strongest fighter outside of Jessica. So, but yeah, Momoa's just got the most personality. Space cowboy, you just want to follow him across the world, uh, across the galaxy. Oh, I'd love a little spinoff for the two weeks he was there in Arrakis. Yeah, dude, I I love that first scene when Paul's telling him, uh, the first scene that he has with Paul when he's like, I I saw your death and I also saw that you found the Fremen. And, uh, you know, and then you skip ahead and he comes back with Stilgar. That was uh, like, oh man, what did he end up doing to win them over? And I guess it's he just killed one of them <laughs> in a one on one fight. But he's awesome. And I also think like um the leads are fine for the most part. Oscar Isaac to me is also a standout. Uh it almost at times it feels more like uh Duke Leto's movie than Paul's. And then Charlene Rampling as uh the Reverend Mother. She's just uh Oh, she was good. Yeah, you could tell that that's a woman pulling the strings behind the scenes when she bitches out uh, the Harkonnen Mentat. She's like, the creature must leave. He's like, yeah, it's okay. She doesn't speak our language. And he's, get out. <laughs> well, I think that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, that whole, the idea of the Benny Gesserit and the string pulling behind the scenes is like, that's that's what I live for. Um, yeah, that's fun. The politics there, are, like you said, the world is so big. So there's a lot to read about of how the world got to this point. And uh, you just don't know what everybody wants. How pissed off would you be if you're waiting for Messiah and fucking Timothy Chalamet shows up? I would question it too. <laughs> like I want that guy. I want Momoa. That's that's. Imagine <laughs> no, that, that's, a messiah. that's the guy. <laughs> Imagine the poor bastard that uh that challenged Momoa. Oh and he god, had to uh, the Fremen. Yeah. <laughs> well, even uh like Jamis challenging Paul, he thought shit was gonna be sweet. Once again, he's like, oh, this is oh. the Messiah, this skinny kid, and he just Bro, tap danced on him. Yo, the choreography. Uh, I'll give him that. The choreography was nasty. The last fight's the best, I think, action moment. I think yeah. I really loved that choreography. No, I like the and uh, just the way behind that it. tunnel. He's such Oof. a badass dude. Oh my god, Timothy shout me, Paul. I needed. I, I was texting. Uh, I was texting Ruben about this. I needed a war cry out of Paul at the end of that. I needed a scream or something when he kills Jameis. Yeah, and that's great because of all the you know emotional weight behind it. Yeah. He's hearing the voices of the Benny Gesserit kill the Neil, boy. Like a gladiator a moment. Are you not entertained? And the way they incorporated the visions that he sees with the spice that, you know, he's having all these visions of Jamis that he's going to help him out. He's going to teach him the ways of the desert. And that's why he keeps waiting for him to yield. Like, you know, we're supposed to become buddies. So when they right. have that embrace before Jamis dies, that's a, that's why it's my favorite scene of the movie, because it's they became friends for five seconds. And it goes back to when the Reverend Mother asks him, 
do you always dream things the same way? And he says, not exactly. So not only is he seeing the future, but he's seeing alternate versions of a future that he's going to create. I just didn't get it because in his visions, or not even in the visions, the, the Bene Gesserit was saying that like that he has to die to become the Kwisax Hutterux. I think I yeah, said it right. Oh, you nailed it. Hell yeah. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to get stabbed and then maybe morph in, not morph into him, but like, I guess get the power of the Quizax Hutterux, but right. I yeah, know, more metaphorical. All right. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> Another thing about the Lisan Al-Gaib. Uh... You did read half the book. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, I only yeah, read the you, first you, part. You've got a few days to read, a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, to read the rest up. of it. Uh, How many pages is that? About four or five hundred. Oh, it's light. I can audio book that. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, more metaphorical because uh, he also, when he breaks down in the tent and he's telling Jessica, I'm seeing these horrifying visions of this holy war that we're going to wage. And in order to become that, he, you know, you need to be brutal. You need to be willing to take lives, lives that you saw in the future as people that were going to be your friends. Because that's the role of being a duke, of being a conqueror, of being a, a king. And uh, Paul struggling with that throughout the movie. I think that's actually one of the stronger aspects. When you read Paul in the book, he's kind of exactly how you envision him uh, when it comes to Chalamet's performance. Just an awkward, skinny kid who's also very, very powerful and deadly because he's had very all these smart, great trainers yeah. and mentors. Right, right. You know, the little details like when he's able to put on his still suit without being shown the right way to do it. Uh, and the way, once again, uh, going back to the Bene Gesserit, uh, planting the seeds that the Messiah is coming, it's fun because prophecy, you know, who, who knows where these prophecies come from? It's probably some random guy doing spice. And uh, maybe, you know, Paul is the chosen one based on some guy's prophecy, but does that make him a god? I guess that's for everyone to decide. But it's also his mom, his mom Jessica trying to play him and he can see his mom trying to play him where it's like they they're going there to spread rumors about him and he knows that and he's not playing dumb you know like he's not right he, right he's not going there thinking that when he gets there they see him and like oh damn they, they really do think i'm him like they know that they're they're being told like they're seeing what they're being told right exactly yeah he pushes back on that he's like i can see through your politicking but throughout the movie he is becoming less and less hesitant to take on that role and uh, that's just going to be so fun to watch in part two, obviously, being with the Fremen and learning about the desert. Is he going to lose even more of his of who he was just as the kid in training versus the actual king in action? I, don't know, I feel like he kind of was feeling himself, though, especially when um, they're in that hideout after they get attacked by the Harkonnens. And he's like. It's like, oh, well, yeah, the emperor has a daughter, right? I guess I, I guess I'll be the fucking king. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, geez, I guess I'll I, rule I the I'll fucking. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, but you know, <laughs> like he was kind of feeling himself at that point. But um, yeah, it, it is intriguing to see where this character is going to go, especially like someone like me who hasn't really read into the books and doesn't necessarily know what's going to happen in the future. Just seeing how everything he plays out, how he ingratiates himself into the fremen um and just what like how everything's gonna play out because i mean on the surface you can look at it as like yeah you can put some dots like yeah harkonnens are gonna come back or paul's gonna try to align himself with the fremens to kind of take back arrakis and get the fremen out of there but there's so many other things that play here and so many other i think larger 
um, things removed from just that struggle of House Harkonnen and House uh, Atreides. So um, I think that's what I'm looking forward more to seeing and kind of them fleshing out in the in part two. So is there no more House Atreides? Like, did did is there still House Atreides? He's or are they pretty much done now? Dude, Paul's alive. You know, goes back to the old. You can conquer the kingdom, but if the king's yeah, they alive, got no army, though. they got no army. We'll no. see. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, going back to the performances, dude. Like, no joke. He's in the movie for two minutes, but I think the guy who played the Herald of the Change, Benjamin Clementine incredible voice and i looked him up and apparently he's a singer so i guess that's why he has such a good voice but the way he delivers like how's the trades will take control of arrakis no i oh, love <laughs> i love that whole sequence because and also like just i don't know what it is it's josh brolin he just has such a great voice but like the, the way they like i guess i don't know how to explain it but it's just like so silent and his voice is just booming in this like silent little ceremony and then yeah he comes out a big voice guy <laughs> Josh Brolin, man, voice of Thanos, yeah. all time voice. Um, and like Thurfir Hawat, uh, he's obviously got way more to do in the books. You can't touch on everything. He's someone where his presence is isn't, isn't as felt as I think it could have been. And uh, Doctor Yue, his whole betrayal—that's once again you have the benefit of the internal monologue in the book, but you don't really feel the anxiety of what he's doing. And the betrayal and the doubt and the the indecision, you know, should I do this? Shouldn't I? I feel like that could have been, you don't even need to add more scenes, but just a moment of him, like when he's talking to the Baron, you know, he he just, it's a very just kind of normal exchange. Give me some tears. Give me some, some jitters. You know, where's my wife? You've promised me. There's really not much to that character And, and such a fantastic actor too, Chang Chen. Uh, so that's a, a little bit of a waste. And like I said, with Gurney, God, I'm just envisioning, you know, John Goodman 20 years ago would have been perfect for that role because he's just such a he's supposed to be just like a bull, like an unlikely fighter. And uh, that's just John always going to be <laughs> 20 years ago. Not now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really tough. And that's like what I was talking about before with just a massive world. Um it is so hard to kind of get everything into there without your movie feeling cluttered. Like rewatching it, I'm like, I don't even know how David Lynch even. I mean, it's not a great movie, but like to attempt to fit everything into the time that he did, like, that's insane. Even here, I was just like, what, two and a half hours for part one, another two and a half for part two? I'm like, that's still enough time. You're going to have to rework things and not really get in depth upon certain things. Yeah, like, once again, Lynch is doomed. Gurney Halleck is Patrick Stewart, so he's not a big fat fighting guy. But I think yeah. he's actually better in the role. And I think Lynch handled his actors um, better than Villeneuve did. Because that's also a criticism you get for Villeneuve's other movies as well. Is Yeah, the spectacle's great, the visuals are great. And sometimes the acting... It's not that he's incapable of getting great performances out of his actors, but it's sometimes it's like the superstars kind of hold back the movie. And that's a criticism I still feel applies to Dune. Yeah. Well, like I was saying with Chalamet, I think at times he's really good, but some of his delivery at certain times, and it's always like when he is trying to say something awkward, like when he's running out, um, when he first gets to Arrakis to see, um, Thurfir Hawa. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, the whole like grandpa fought bulls for sport. It's kind of, <laughs> yes. it's, it seems hard for him to get it out at times. But I think in moments like when he was in the tent and at the end of the movie, I think he delivered a strong performance there. So, yeah. And a lot of people love uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. I think that's oh, just uh, casting that's, that's so girl. good. <laughs> Lady Jessica or Rebecca Ferguson? Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Join, join the club, buddy. That's exactly what I told him. I was like, yeah, get in line. <laughs> like I said, that's one of those castings where she's such a great actress. She just fits the role perfectly. That's exactly who you envision as Lady Jessica, someone who's beautiful, but still mysterious, powerful. My favorite moment with her is when Stilgar underestimates her and she immediately disarms him and he apologizes. <laughs> I know it's like what he's trying to do, Paul. Like trying to get the uh, high ground and like scope oh, it out. Oh, when he climbs up, it's funny. But when, when they start fighting, he just fucking bails. It's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> and he gets it like thirty. Him. Gets it like thirty seconds later. It's just like, out of right, breath. I guess he knows. He was making moves. <laughs> he just fucking bails. I guess he knows his mom could throw it down like that, but it's just a, it's just a funny visual. Yeah, that's funny. The the well, that's not funny, but it's fun the way they communicate through the sign language, uh, the different languages, yeah. the unspoken communication between the two of them. That's the tragedy of Paul's character, and uh, we've seen this many times with the the royal successor that he's never really had a childhood. He's got no friends. He's just essentially an adult as a kid. So you just see how far that training has gone. Where this is everything he's been prepared for. Uh, yeah, but he says also that he's been turned into a freak. He's being taught that Benny Jesuit, he's got like he's got his dad on him about becoming the he's the duke. He's got a lot as a 14-year-old. How old is he? 16? Yeah, I like imagine to imagine him as like 18, 19 in the movie. Well, still a teenager yeah. though. But imagine all that pressure on you being taught the ways of the Benny Jesuit and then you got your dad trying to make you king. Well, the Gamja bar scene, you know? He's <laughs> when they have to test him to see if he's going to pull his hand out. They were ready to kill him. They were like, you have too much power. If you can't control your emotions, control your instincts, we're going to just you take you out. out. Oh, right oh, away. Like, ah, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Kidding me? Immediately stabbed in the neck. <laughs> the Gunjabar. Yeah, she says you have more than one birthright. And she's just awesome in every scene. The voice is perfect. No, she's those, so mean the to everybody. when they take control is so scary when they do it. Freaks me out. Like, it makes me want to do what they were telling them to do. Like that scene in the uh, in the copter, the helicopter, or whatever. Oh yeah, the voices, the, yeah, so well done, dude. The sound design there, with all the different Benny Gesserit voices come coming into one. Yeah, the thing about me is Rebecca Ferguson. She wouldn't even have to use the voice. She tells me to kill myself. I'm out of here. <laughs> like yes, ma'am. Yeah, it almost feels like a waste. Like you want me to do any other fucked up shit before I kill myself? <laughs> like because like, you know, just tell I'm me what to do. do anything. I'll just yeah. Um, and people, Skarsgård as uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Daddy Skarsgård as uh, Baron Harkonnen. It's fun. The design of the character. I think the lines that he has, he, he does steal those scenes. He's got the perfect voice for it. So He'll have more to do in two, right? Uh, yes. I just, feel like, I just feel like a lot of these players, like a lot of these characters, like it wasn't, like you guys said, this huge list and it was really just a movie between Lady Jessica uh, Leto and Paul, you know, and you well, have Leto, all these big names. I wish we had more of him. Me too. But it's it's like I'm not saying that I would rather a series, even though I think it's a probably a better way to tell this story. 
because I do love that it is a, you know, big appointment movie theater type movie. Um, but getting into more into that family dynamic, more of who that character is, like when he dies, like it's sad and all, but I'm I'm kind of left like, oh, I wish we had more. We needed more from him. Like I, I'm just barely scratching the surface on like who you are as a as a father as a leader. It's like you could tell who he, you can like bridge some of the gaps, just how he's respected and how uh, the people close to him seem to really respect him and stuff like that. Like you said, and that probably could have been fleshed out a little better within the confines of a movie. Um, like you said, with the doctor and his reluctance potentially and of betraying House Atreides. Like you said, when he is brought into the Harkonnens, he doesn't look like a man that just betrayed someone that he reveres uh, yeah, to the yeah. up- and has the utmost respect for. And they, I mean, they do a little bit when he gives him the, the fake tooth and everything like that. And I get that. And I, I just think that, that could have hit a little bit more harder while also giving more characterization to uh, Duke Leto. Yeah, even I think we got all we need to know with- about him with that scene with Paul. When he tells him, if you don't want the ring, you know, it's okay. That's a great scene, dude. You know, you ring pilot. Yeah, but it's just like, how many times have I, I wasn't expecting that response from him? It's like, because how many times do you see the father push? You know, it's like the same story. The father pushes his son to become king and he doesn't never wants it. And then the dad dies. At least this one, you know, his dad accepts Paul for who he is. And that he yeah, might not want the it. Ned Stark dads always have to die. Right. Because they're too good of people to keep yeah. alive. But there was one scene that they did film, and he said he's never going to release deleted scenes, which is unfortunate. But it's a big dinner scene when they invite over all the the elites of Arrakis. And he's schmoozing, he's trying to make relationships. So it's not only with the Fremen, it's with the, the other nobles that are on Arrakis. And uh, I wish that there would be a, an extended cut. I don't think it takes away from the theatrical version. There are plenty of movies that exist in two or three different cuts and you know obviously sometimes one is going to be better than the other so it's unfortunate that they're never going to release that but i think that a scene like that would have been went a long way and it also features gurney halleck just randomly performing a drunken song in the middle of the dinner and everyone's like who the hell is this fat lunatic (laughs) you're big on gurney halleck huh oh dude but he's that's the thing in the book like gurney is paul's guy like Duke's obviously a great dad. Duke Leto's a great dad, but he had to do a lot leading uh, Caladan and now Arrakis. So Gurney was always like the surrogate father, and uh, he was always closest with Paul. Damn! So you were very excited for a Gurney, a little Gurney show, and they gave you nothing. Well, I Gurney. knew once they casted <laughs> Brolin, I was like, they're gonna just make him serious cardboard cutout military guy. Uh, so hey, like without, I said, I'll- hey, without Gurney, without that little military. You know, he maybe he loses to Jameis. No, he's definitely important. And that's right out of the books, too, that little scene. You know, great line delivery from Chalamet is when he's tripping in the middle of the desert during the mining scene. He's like, I hear your footsteps, old man. That jump scare of when the sound comes back in when he grabs him on the shoulder. Yeah. That's also the, just an incredible sequence, dude. The spice mining sequence. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. it's so epic. And the score is perfect. It's, it sounds like Lawrence of Arabia. It's also perfectly timed up when they're saying the worm's going to be here in two minutes. If you time it, it's exactly two minutes when the worm gets wow, there. Wow, that's pretty I cool. love that shit. Nothing pisses <laughs> me off. Like One Piece will say really that. It really does make me feel good. A show like One Piece will be like, oh, two minutes, and it'll be fucking six episodes, and it drives me fucking insane. Anime <laughs> time is uh, two minutes is an entire arc. 
<laughs> bro, bro, I seen uh, there was a meme of Goku going Super Saiyan, and then I was like in the comments, it was like that. That <laughs> was like I waited five episodes for that. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I need to get me my hands in some spice. That shit looks awesome. Yeah, does, wait. So dude. I don't know if I missed this in the movie though. What was Paul's deal with the spice? Like, he's just very he, sensitive to it. Sensitive to it. Oh, yeah. okay. So he basically. So the spice does give you does abilities it to. Yeah, it does. Okay. So you could see kind of um, some of the Benny Gesserit voices. They imply that he's not fully awakened yet. So the reaction, he doesn't have it under control. But by the I end of the movie, Chalamet. Oof. On spice, yeah. <laughs> a spice. Uh, we won't have to imagine too uh, for too much longer. Well, I, I do. My boy's spiced up. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool. You know the that's the big. Um, that's what the movie's about. It's about these outsiders using this planet for the resource of spice, which powers everything. That's how people get around. That's how space navigators are able to read the stars in order to fly from planet to planet and galaxy to galaxy. And uh, I think that they do a good enough job letting the audience in on that. And that's going to be something that they emphasis, uh, emphasize way more in part two. I, don't know. I kind of like that it's pretty vague. Um, I was like reading up on it, like knowing that it helps like rich people are addicted to it and they have to keep taking it or they'll die. But it also helps you live longer. It's like. It's like cocaine and oil, basically combined in one, because it's like yeah. super addicting, and it really makes the world go round. Um, but I kind of like, you know, it's just spice. It's just this mysterious substance on this planet, and you kind of that mystery to it is pretty intriguing. It is something where, um, yeah, I kind of like the the mystery surrounding it. Yeah, yeah. They give you just enough to know, like, this is the spice planet. It's got a lot of spice. It's valuable. <laughs> well, well, even the whole thing of, like, I guess, what are they trying to They're like, the, the thwarted attempts to terraform Arrakis. Right, yeah. As soon as they the found bike. the spice, they were like, fuck that. Yeah. Another great scene is when he asks him about the, uh, the plants that he's watering. Saying, oh, I didn't know they were native. He's like, they're not. We uh, just, we have to feed them five times the water that every man drinks every day and paul's like oh why are we wasting so much water and he's like because they're they're sacred to us it's it's about our dream to one day terraform arrakis and make it into a place that's way more habitable (laughs) man comes in wants to rip out sacred bushes right the politics there aren't (laughs) subtle the this idea that they can't have a place to they can't even make this planet habitable for the people who have lived there because there's this valuable resource there that all the outsiders want to mine and a resource that they, like Aaron said, the rich people are abusing it. They're not even using it to its, you know, its true potential. No, what Arrakis needs to do and the Freeman, the Freeman need to do is start attacking and making it very hard for them to get the spice. And then they can get rewarded. Like they can get compensated for it. They're yeah, not using their planet, you know. Running for president of Arrakis? I should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, Duke Leto's saying, we'll never invade your land. Like, your territory will always belong to you, even if duty compels me to go into the desert. So what's the problem? We need a spice, guy. You're already taking that. (laughs) You've gone full, I don't know, you've transitioned from revolutionary freedom fighter to colonizer within (laughs) 30 (laughs) seconds. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, because I, I thought maybe they were, you know, they were being ran out of their own, you know, world. But they're not being ran out of the world, you know. Well, Just do I you mean, and I'll do me. The fuck? The Harkonnens kind of made it difficult for them to trust outsiders when they... I mean, they're back. So... Oh, yeah, so... I hope I Teddy that, finds dude, a... a oil plot in his backyard and the government just completely wipes him out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll sell so fucking fast. Teddy becomes a sovereign nation. <laughs> One of my favorite moments is Teddy when the Bill. Baron is just, uh, <laughs> when he's in that hot tub of recovery goo. Oil. <laughs> he's just slurping that shit out. He's so fucking gross, dude. I can't fucking, I can't look at him. <laughs> when he's eating, I hate like that. And like, it reminded me of Return of the King. Like, just bad people eating grossly. Yeah. That noise. And... Oh, God. Oh, so gross. Get that man a wet towel to clean his hands. Oh, dude. You know what I love fucking sound-wise? When they, when they were talking, the the, Re- the Reverend Mother, Harkonnen, uh, Baron, and the... Oh, with the, with the, the silencing? Sound yeah, that was yeah. sick, dude. That's awesome. You just see the subtitles and you can't hear nothing. Then it goes to the inside of it. That's oh cool. yeah, that's a great scene, dude. And I love the Baron. As soon as she leaves, no Atreides will live. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> brat, dude. He immediately went back on his word. And I think I, w- I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see Bautista wreck shop. But once again, I think that's something we will see in, in part two. Uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster, I think underrated as Light Keens or Light Kinds. That, another character that they didn't give... Uh, the character as much to do as they do in the book. Still, you get the vibe that, yeah, she's uh, a bit eccentric because she actually, you know, values the the Fremen and understands their culture and she's accepted in both, uh, I think she says, Siege and Village. Yeah, I think she's good. Like I said, a, a little underrated because there's so much star power that you kind of don't think of that character as, as one of the standouts. But for me, I've always enjoyed her performance. I didn't really get her, though. Like, what what was it? She couldn't help anybody, but she was helping them. I don't get it. So she, she was, was in the position of uh, just overseeing the change uh, from Atreides to, well, the Harkonnens to Atreides and then report back to the Emperor. And so she, she doesn't have any power. Between? She's just there to witness it. She does start to meddle. It is fucking. We got, we got robbed. She was about to ride a worm so fast. And we just got that taken away from us. Oh, yeah. Ripped. <laughs> Yeah, and in the book, they talk about how her father was uh, in the same position as her, and uh, it was his dream as well. It's been something that her family's been working towards for generations. So she believes when she dies in the book that she set the Arrakis on the path of eventually becoming terraformed because Paul Atreides will um, will pay them back for their support. He's telling everyone in heaven, yeah, that, that's me. This is all me. <laughs> I'm the real hero. What I always forget, it is funny to think about like how this is just an extension of our world. Like Earth exists. That's like my favorite part of this. It does? In this? Yeah, the Atreides can, I think, trace their heritage back to the Greeks. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I find that re- that's just really cool to me. It's not like this Star Wars, like other galaxy. Yeah, they're supposed to be descendants of uh, King Atreus. That's why Atreides, Atreus. And that's why the name, like, thousands and thousands of years into the future on distant planets. Paul. And we got, we got Paul. Parents are still naming their kids Paul. <laughs> Paul. If you guys had to, do you think you can uh, tap dance across the sand? 
No, I I'm love not. that, dude. It makes me laugh every time because I just think of Manu Ginobili. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Nash should be good at it. He would be good at it. <laughs> he would fucking hero all the way through. I don't know. That well, kind of throws me off a little bit. You telling me that sandworm can be anywhere, and me like a little mouse fucking walking in the sand, it could it'll detect it and come for it. Well, yeah. Teddy, you step. You have heavy steps. You step really I do, hard. I do have heavy steps. Yeah. I walk light so I don't piss the ground off. No, I like that because the, the worms are one with the desert and they're everywhere. Oh, right. So there's not just one worm. I'm thinking there's one nah, worm. There's no, no, there are a bunch of worms. Oh, that's brutal then. Oh, Jesus. Dude, there's and, two worms in the, the trailer, right? Yeah, I think there's actually three. Three worms? <laughs> and Paul's seeing um, the mouse in the the tutorial video like the training video and then actually seeing it when he first yeah, when he uh, wipes the sense. sweat and drinks that shit yeah yeah i, no, I love little details no, using, like the that. Ma- using what he just saw is on his toes dude that's fucking sick and hiding in the bushes that's dope my boy's yeah. self-efficient yeah and i think that's something like going back to when i was talking about just like how you can't include all the details of the world um it being thousands of years into the future and having all this crazy technology but like why is it limited in some aspects? And then when you like dig deeper, you find out about the whole computer thing, which I think is an interesting wrinkle, but nothing that's not really fully explained. Yeah, I like how they don't explain that because even in the book, it's just kind of something that they go into it, but you don't get the full history. They mention it, why computers have been outlawed and why you have all these essentially human computers. That's what Thurfier is supposed to be when he asks him how much is this going to cost and he just whips up those calculations immediately and uh, even the Benny Gesserit they're essentially superhuman supercomputers um, that's so I love the Gamjabar scene when the Reverend Mother tells him don't worry about the guards no one's getting past your mom yeah that was hard yeah just a, a little line here or there to establish you know these people are they're different they're essentially wizards. And that's why even Marissa used to complain that Paul Atreides doesn't look like somebody who could fight. And I'm like, well, he's he's got a lot of magical shit going on, too. Uh, is that series still happening? God, at this point, who knows? With the state of Warner Brothers? Oh, dude, it's pathetic. I haven't heard much about it. What, they were making a Dune series? Yeah, and that's ben, something ben like... Jesserat. That's not something I need. E- even like with the news with uh, the Aegon the Conqueror series... I've held this opinion for for a while now. I prefer that to just be history in the world. And the same thing right. with the Bendy Jezeret. When they say that our plans are, um, I forget what she said, something like they're designed uh, through through generations or something like that. Like we can, you know, we've been at this for a long time. And when you go into those details, it just it's just like too hard to to pin it down and to make it specific. It, it just takes away uh, from the main story, in my opinion. Now, if you're going to do a one-off series or a series about Doom, I would go into one of the families, the Harkonnen or the, uh, or even the Freeman or the Atreides. Well, that's the other thing. There's, I mean, I, I, they're not going to adapt all the novels, but there are like six of them. Uh, and he said that he wants to adapt the second novel as like a third and final movie. And the with the way the story uh, pans out, the live action Dunes wouldn't be complete without adapting that second novel. But going okay. beyond that, the shit gets really weird. And I don't know if their <laughs> audiences <laughs> might not be ready for Dune Messiah, let alone the the rest of the books. But to me, uh, Dune Messiah is essential. They have to get to that point. And he said that maybe he wants to take like a five to ten year gap uh, between them. 
Oh, give me a break. Well, I mean, he's got to do other. You got to let him do other shit. No, I need dunes. <laughs> I need, I need him on Dune twenty four seven. I hope he like comes out of this kind of like how, what Batman did for Nolan. If this makes close to a billion, yeah, he kind of feels like he's in blank check territory already. But right, but I, I, it'll be cool be to huge. see like the financials back that up too, where it's like, yeah, the studio is going to give him no, nothing no matter what. If this, it doesn't look like it's going to flop, but like hypothetically, if it did especially with Blade Runner also. It's like, yeah, the man can direct, but he's not bringing in the buck. So uh, we can't invest $150 million to make whatever he wants. All right, guys, before we move on to the second half of this podcast, we are going to take a quick break and shout out our sponsor for today's episode, and that would be ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like riding a bike without wearing safety gear. You never know when a wild turkey is going to run out of the bushes and force you to crash while dislocating your shoulder, leaving you in a sling for months. I'm definitely not speaking from experience. ExpressVPN is the best option for those looking to stay safe on the internet. When you log into public networks, your sensitive data like banking information and passwords are at risk. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person by selling your personal info on the dark web. But ExpressVPN creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your devices and the internet. Their private network provides a layer of protection that keeps hackers at bay and keeps your sensitive data safe. ExpressVPN is also extremely easy to use. All you have to do is fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. Plus, it works on all devices like phones, laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. So head on over to expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup to secure your online data today. That's expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup. And you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash nerdsoup. And be on the lookout for any wild turkeys. That's my hacker metaphor. Well, let's uh, do some predictions. Where do you guys think Dune Part 2 lands? What did Dune 1 make? 4.30? But that's also COVID, right? COVID. So that's a big year then. And HBO Max, because they yeah. uh, did the simultaneous release. That's right. I think 800 would be a pretty pretty big success, right? That's what I'm say feeling. 750. I'll go bigger just uh, to differentiate. I'll go 900. Uh, apparently, it's outpacing... Oh, I can't remember what movie they said it was outpacing for IMAX tickets. But that's the benefit of putting this bitch in IMAX. It's, it's you know, Oppenheimer. Well, I think Opp- Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. It was Oppenheimer? Yeah, I think so. Yo, what was great about Oppenheimer is they just kept kept putting that bitch back in IMAX. I love Oppenheimer, man. You can, like, check your Regal app, and it's just like, Oppenheimer's back in theaters. Look at that. You just mentioned Oppenheimer, and I just want to talk about Oppenheimer for an hour. <laughs> you know what the problem is with Oppenheimer with me is it's it's like three hours, right? So, yeah, yeah. I see that, and I get turned off by it. What? I mean, I would never say this, but I'm not, only saying it for you. Not that I can't watch a three-hour movie. I'm just saying me... I guess. When was the last time you sat down and watched a movie the entire movie? That's the thing. You watch like a ninety-minute movie. You're splitting that bitch into two. That's what I did with Dune. I watched. (laughs) I actually watched it in three days. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) I finished it last night. You're like Marissa who wants to watch uh, the Lord of the Rings in twenty-minute intervals. It's not that. Yeah, like it's not that I (laughs) I can't watch it. It's just I got a lot going on. Like I, I end up falling asleep. You know, I wish I could do this over where Teddy can open up with like, yeah, it's like the pacing was a little off. An hour later, it's like, yeah, watch it over the span of three days. <laughs> well, th- do that with Oppenheimer, you know? Start it and see see when you finish. 
But the thing with Oppenheimer, dude, it's cliche to say this about long movies when they're good, but that movie does fly by because all the shit, like the good shit, not the good shit, but like the whole, you know, making of the bomb, like it, it moves, baby. Uh, so he said that he filmed it like it was a heist movie and you really feel it, you know, like he's recruiting the different cool. scientists and uh, they're doing science shit and, you know, there's a setback. It's just like nonstop. It's really fun. They pushed on the clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, the Nazis are also make like they're like, yo, the Nazis are making a bomb. We're in a race with the Nazis. No, I mean, I, I don't need a justification of the movie. It's just by the time Amelia falls asleep, it's like 830. Then I'm starting the movie at nine. And then I'm, what, nah. I'm getting to 12. I ain't, I ain't making it to 12. You know, if I want to sit down and watch the whole thing, you know, cut it in, cut it in fours. There are chapters. Hmm. How many chapters are there? In it? I think three. Fusion, fission, and something. All right, let's uh, let's go to some fan questions. We got some Dune questions. We got some movie nice. questions. Yeah, let me uh, let me pull them up. That's for the fan to decide. Yay! People, you call up to the show. You better be ready. That's what you're supposed to do. Sitting there arguing and trying to spell your name and all of this other stuff. It's not just show. It's my show. I'm giving you the, the opportunity to speak your mind. Don't call up here unless you got something to say. Boom, boom. <sighs> oh, one thing I wanted to mention, too. Uh, cinematography. Greg Frazier. Talk about a guy who's making a name for himself. Between this, uh, the Batman, and even the, the creator. He's oh, no, awesome. Yeah. This movie looks fucking incredible. I think, like, in terms of a, the scale... Nothing has ever felt bigger in a theater. It's just like when they're walking out for the first time with the bagpipes, it just looks like they look like ants compared to those ships. And it's awesome. Uh, Okay. First question here from Gabby. Do you think Dune film trilogy has the capacity to be the best film trilogy ever? If it is a trilogy? Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, two and three would have to knock my dick off. (laughs) Um... Yeah, we're talking about (laughs) the best trilogy ever here. Yeah, I mean, of course it's got. I'm just hit. saying that because I think it has potential, well, though. She's asking if it has potential. I think it does. Well, I think t- two and three have to be masterpieces because I don't think one is quite masterpiece. It's good material. enough. No, it, it it's very good. I give it like a four and a half. But like that's its return about, to the Jedi. Now you need a new hope and Empire. Yeah. So like, and it's tough too when I think all three Lord of the Rings are perfect. Well, so that's already, always going to be the best. Nobody's so touching that. You're already, no matter best case scenario, you're going to have two out of three perfect for Dune. Oh, so so it's a no. So just say no, guy. You don't fucking. But that's what I'm saying. It. Two and three have to knock. But I can watch part two and then rewatch part one and be like, oh, now I see this whole picture. You were just showing me the puzzle wasn't done yet. That's now true. that I have a complete picture, I, I I like one even more now, and it kind of is. A cumulative masterpiece. Like two, two might, two could make one even better than what it was. Definitely, and a lot yeah. of people already consider one to be one of the best movies of all time. I don't, but for sure, a lot of people, yeah. it's already hit That's that aggressive. mark. Dude, the way people talk about this movie on the internet, I love Villeneuve, but he's becoming like uh, film Twitter's. He's the only director who's ever made a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people do put it in the that category. But yeah, I mean, if two. Dude, based on the reviews for two, it looks like two is going to do exactly what Aaron said. For people that maybe didn't think one was a masterpiece, but two's going to be so good 
that once they watch it going one to two, it's going to be like one big movie. So it won't really matter the whole abrupt ending. And then three, Dune Messiah, not as acclaimed as the first Dune book, but I would argue that it is the perfect ending to the characters' stories. Does it have like potential and like maybe the book isn't as good as the first Dune, but there are things there that can be taken from a great director to make it a masterpiece? Yeah, no, I like definitely it, think so. And I think the, good, the book's overhated. Yeah. It's like when you find like an old house, but like it has good bones, you know? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, definitely. That's the thing. The big uh, plot points in Dune Messiah really work. It's, it's just I think people are a little, you know, frustrated by the execution of the actual story, which is something that could be cleaned up. But like I said, I like Dune Messiah. A lot of people really do like Dune Messiah. So so it definitely has the capacity without a doubt. It's tough. I like to be I like to think that something could one day be like. Oh, yeah, that was better. But I think just Lord of the Rings has just been my favorite for so long that it's like hard to admit, even if something was better, to be like, yeah, that's actually better. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is just like um, lightning in a bottle because you can argue whichever movie you want to pick, legitimately some of the best movies of the 21st century. They're that good. Uh, And that's what you need to do when you're talking about best trilogies of all time because The Dark Knight, people would argue it's one of the better movies of this century and then Empire Strikes Back is in that conversation for the 20th century, so. And for Dark Knight, you get it both ways. Yeah, people who hate Dark Knight Rises and people who don't like Batman Begins. Yeah, the Dark Knight Rises does keep it from those conversations because it it always comes up and then people always respond with, "Well, Dark Knight Rises." Yeah, I never heard the Batman that Batman trilogy though is best of all time. It's, I think it's thrown around when you see those graphics on Twitter. It's like choose one; the other three get deleted forever. It's usually like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Dark Knight, and. Yeah, it's cause, that's just because the hangover. You, you said the hangover. <laughs> Rush <laughs> Hour might have a better argument, just because Rush Hour doesn't have that sort of like Rush Hour three. Uh, well, Rush Hour, yeah, Rush Hour three isn't very underrated in my opinion. You think so? I, I think so too. Root. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd have my back there. <laughs> so where's Toy Story at now? Because they have so many. It's still considered. I honestly think that's Toy no, Story was in those conversations. I mean, you could still take the first three. And say, the more I uh, think about it, I think the greatest joke ever in a movie is when he's reading the translator book to pick up the Japanese, uh, the Chinese ladies, and they drive away laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, why'd they go away? And Jackie Chan's like, <laughs> you invited them over to, to come over and sacrifice a small goat. He's <laughs> like, which word was goat? <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything up to that point was perfect but he's got hung up on goat it's so fucking funny where'd you go i bent down time my shoe i look up and you were gone <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm gonna have to watch those tonight uh this question here from liam do you think that the movie part two will focus more on the romance as marketing indicates or paul's journey well i mean of criticism a lot of people had right not a criticism, yeah. but like they wanted more Zendaya. Yeah, the Zendaya fans. <laughs> they were like, we've <laughs> yeah. been bamboozled, run amok, led astray. Uh, yeah, I think they're like kind the of Swifties, one of the same. When the Swifties go to see Deadpool 3, because she's supposed to play one of the characters. Oh, really? I think so. She's been rumored. It'll I don't know Roger Goodell just... was producing that movie. <laughs> but if she, but if she, if she gets done out like Brad Pitt did in Deadpool 2. 
Oh like, god, that was like her in um, seconds. that uh David O. Russell movie that came out with a bunch of all the actors. Yeah, yeah. She just got thrown in front of a car. They would get. Yeah, but so she's getting set up to have a huge role in in Dune too. So I would I'd be happy with what they're getting. Oh yeah, yeah. That everybody's saying that she uh gives the best performance. A lot of the early reviews are commenting on that. That she obviously has way more to do. So, like I said, uh, the question saying, will it focus more on Paul's journey or the romance? They're one and the same. Tough to say, though. I didn't read the book. God, I can't believe this. Uh, well, I can't believe we've already seen this movie. But, well, this one here from Brandon, he asks uh, top three movie trilogies. I think we kind of answered that. Yeah. Toy Story or Rush Hour? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess <laughs> we know. We, it's unanswered because we have to figure out which one. You know, it also is so funny. It's one of the outtakes when they're on the plane and you can't save a filter fish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, this question here from Nelly: Top three Denis Villeneuve movies. For me, it's so easy. It's uh, Incendies, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and Enemy. Mm, interesting. I agree with Incendies and Blade Runner. Um, I haven't watched Prisoners in a while, but I remember like that definitely being up there for me. Arrival. Sicario. Sicario is just a. It's become like a classic. Ted's so happy he's seen those three. (laughs) That's all I know. That's all I've seen. But I feel like Sicario is definitely like the more popular one where like I feel like it's just a a great movie that you'll see on TV. You turn it on and you're just watching it for the rest of the night. I mean, since Incendies, it is just um, an absurd run. For how much you guys talk about it, I feel like me not seeing Blade Runner 2049 is like an injustice to myself. And I, I hear a lot about it from other people, not just you guys either. Have you seen Blade Runner? No. I feel like you'll like the original Blade Runner more. How old's the original one? 82. <laughs> no it's chance. good, though, dude. It's Ridley Scott, Harrison Ford. It's, it's shot so beautifully. You're not really selling me. <laughs> well, the only way to sell you on a movie is to tell you we're reviewing it, so... <laughs> so you want to do a Blade I'm just going to lie to you yeah <laughs> yeah we're doing Blade Runner I, I've thought Whoa, of doing like that to... like saying oh we have to review this because of a Patreon request and lying to you guys but I just can't bring myself to do it I'd do it to you if it was, if it was reverse I'd be doing it to you yeah I don't know why I don't but I just feel like hey just know you're you're benefiting myself like you're benefiting me sure you know you know what might be his best movie uh, not Arrival Blade Runner but yeah, Arrival. Hey, I said Arrival. We can have Arrival's the, always, the one I always forget about. Not to say that it's not great, but I'm like, damn, he did Arrival too. And that movie was <laughs> right, nominated for like, like a bunch of Oscars and made a lot of money. Blade Runner, Arrival, and Incendies. Do I still have your Incendies Blu-ray? I probably do. I think you do, yeah, because I, I, yeah. I didn't even know I had an Incendies on. That's how long you've had it. I didn't even know I owned it on Blu-ray. <laughs> no, I've had it for a while. I've lent it out. Using as a dip. That's insane. <laughs> I've lent out your movies. That's how long I've had them for. But no, I, it's in my uh, on my uh, bookshelf. Oh, there's a good question here from Matt. Which new addition to the cast are you guys most excited for? Zendaya can be included. I gotta see the um, cast. Let me look it up. I mean, it's for me, it's easy. It's Christopher Walken as the Emperor. Yeah. That is just so fun because <laughs> he's the best and uh, he, he great Adele, casting. I mean, yeah, I don't know how much she's going to. I mean, I know it's three hours, so 
Austin, yeah, no, she should was, get some decent screen time. He's not really new. Excited though. to see her. Yeah, no, really, really. Do you uh, follow uh, that synesthetic account on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, what do you say? Is the horniest mummy? man on Twitter. <laughs> he just posted her uh, on the red carpet and captured it, mummy. He went full mask off for his horniness because he'll like. Um, That's cool though. An actor will be cast in a big role, and he'll just post like sexy pictures of that actor or actress <laughs> just exploiting the fact that they're uh trending on twitter it's like oh amy adams was casting this and then he's like doing her gq cover shot cover shoot sydney sweeney has been taking over my timeline you know what's been funny too all the uh old lebron posts popping up on people's people's explore page have you guys seen that no it's no. like when he's getting a haircut from a, some italian guy <laughs> He's like, hashtag, I told him he looked like George Bush. Hashtag, he told me I look like LeBron James. <laughs> I just like when, uh, when people repost his lies from the past. <laughs> that's, Yo, that's, a, that's, that's so fucking funny, dude. That's the one today. It's like, it's like I'll come off the bench if it helps the team. I've seen that, too. <laughs> so I was like, why is he lying? <laughs> that was in 2015. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Christopher Walken, Leah Sado, there's the surprise casting that we won't talk about just yet just in case some people haven't heard about that they want to still be surprised so i almost said it because i'm looking at the cast and on dune 2 online but there was no uh yeah austin butler too he's gonna yeah. play a big role yeah that's gonna be fun and apparently tim blake nelson has an undisclosed role so i love him big tim blake nelson guy he seems like a harkonnen <laughs> yeah, he's perfect for that world. Yeah. Little freak. Little freak um, working for the Emperor or something like that. Deadass. <laughs> you see him? <laughs> Little weasel, yeah. That dude is a backstabber. He's a backstabber. One of the most underrated character actors working today in Hollywood. He's so funny as Buster Scruggs. TBN? Yeah. And uh, what else? Oh, when he was in Watchmen, he was great in that. Even in Hulk, he's like funny. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a wacky guy in Hulk, right? Yeah, love that guy. He's supposed to come back for uh, the new Captain America. Oh shit! The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, good movie. It's on Netflix. It's uh, like an anthology. Uh, is it a good movie? Yeah, it's it is like good. a compilation of short stories. Yeah, it's he's like in... four short stories. Okay. And he is Buster Scruggs. His is the best one because he's oh, just yeah. like a gunman with superpowers. Essentially, <laughs> it's like a is superhuman he... cowboy. Just can't think I like it. Yeah, it's Cohen Brothers. You like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's right up your alley. You ever see the meme with uh, um, James Franco? Name? James Franco, and he's like about to get hanged. He's like, oh, first time? Yeah. That's from that. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. That just pissed Aaron off so much. <laughs> he said it with such confidence. I know he did. He's like, no, I know, I know James Franco movies, and that's not from that. Well, what's it from, Teddy? Wait, am I bugging her now? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not getting clipped. I'm, wait, I'm wait, wait. Let Let's hear what you were gonna say. I'm not saying it. Oh come on! Isn't it part? I'm not saying it. Parts of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. How did I? I always get those mixed <laughs> no. up. You're right, Ted. That's not Parts of the Caribbean. Dun, 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 dun. James Franco wasn't in Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean. He could have been. Oh, talk about <laughs> an all sure. underrated trilogy because two and three are. <laughs> you know, I didn't really, I didn't really think of that. Like he could have been. That you're telling true. me you can't see a, 
you're telling me you you look at that like if you look at the meme, you don't think that's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie? No, because I've seen the actual movie. But well, let's say you didn't see the movie. I'd be like, no, because I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean and James Franco wasn't in it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you get, you're getting me. All time great theme song, Pirates of the Caribbean. All right. This question uh, here from Stone underscore McCumber. Who or what group would you most want to be a part of in the Dune universe? Harkonnen. Why? Because they're, they're running shit right now. Evil. Yeah, but I want to be on the winning side. <laughs> well, it's between... I'm not being with Freeman. No, no chance. I'm dealing with that. Yeah, I feel like, like you, complain, you would just complain about you would just complain about sand the whole time. I complain about why a lot. Is there, why is there so much sand? Heat, no water, no food. Yeah. If you're born into it, you don't know any better. You know, that's, that's who they are. Yeah, but I'm not born into it, and I get to pick where I want to go. Do I not? Oh, I was thinking like it zaps you. You know, like your little sperm, and you, you know. Yeah, but you're picking where you want to go. You're telling me from your, from the jump. You yeah, want but to you wouldn't know from the uh, – yeah, okay. If we're going that way, then I'd want to be, uh, I don't know, part of the emperor's what's, court. What's Caladan like in the summers? Oh, Caladan looks beautiful. Not enough lights. Yeah, I'd like to be the guy who is in charge of Caladan after the Atreides left. Yeah. <laughs> that the guy Stuart? got it. Yeah, he's <laughs> – talk about the best job. I mean – Benny Gesserit seems like a whole whole thing. No, that seems miserable. That. I'm not trying to go through Benny Gesserit. Peter, was it the Guild? That seems. I, I couldn't pass. I barely passed high school. I think I'm passing Benny Gesserit school. <laughs> Ted as a mentat would be fun. Train his whole life to become a supercomputer. Just uses it for uh, gambling. Do I become the Benny Gesserit though, or do I still have to go through everything? And I, there's a chance I fail and die. Oh no! Yeah, you have to. You have to earn it. You could be a yeah, part then, of the group, but then no. Gotta live not, that life. I don't have the hook. I ain't getting in. No, they, Benny Gesserit, they don't do nepotism. Well, actually, kind of they do. Yeah, I'm sticking with Harkonnen. Oh, you know what's... No, the uh, Saudikar. Oh, okay. That the, place looks de- de- <laughs> like depressing as fuck. The yeah, army where they steal fighter. children from families and raise them you're to be soldiers. Fighter, That's actually one thing I didn't like about part one is uh, when Momo was like, you cross swords with a Saudikar, yeah, you, you know, know it. And he just... And he fucking waxes like 12 of them. <laughs> he mows them down like a fucking buzzsaw. I think he's just a really nice guy. Because even with the, the Fremen, it's like, oh, they fight like demons. And like Paul can just beat one of their best guys in 10 seconds. <laughs> that's like a, insanely that's a, that's fast. Paul, man. Don't, don't diminish Paul. I am diminishing Paul. Paul works that's for a, another guy, uh, the actor who plays Jamis. You know, not a lot of screen time, but he really makes the most of it. His but delivery. He says like, it's like I've never been closer to death in my life. And Paul's out here making him yields in ten seconds. One move. Even even Zendaya talked him up. She was so cocky. I'm thinking about becoming lethal with like uh weapons. Like with axes, like throwing shit? No, nah, I've been watching this dude on TikTok, uh or YouTube with uh a bow and arrow. He just like dresses up in his backyard and does trick shots. I it's swear to god rules. if my if my timeline gets funneled with trick shot bow and arrows, I'm going to freak out. Oh, no. I've been on it, and it's it's awesome. I'm on the swords now, too. I'm watching, I'm learning how to use a lightsaber. That's one thing I wish I did when I was growing up was martial arts. To become like a Tiger Shulmans or something. <laughs> Tiger Shulmans. <laughs> Who's that? You know, saw those commercials for Tiger Shulmans karate? Oh, okay. I thought that was, <laughs> like, a was like a guy. Yeah, I was like, this is a big, <laughs> big time. Uh... Dude, that's the best. That's the coolest fucking karate name ever yeah oh yeah who's this guy yeah that's tiger shulman the tiger shulman <laughs> that's a great no, fuck, 
That's a guy that beats the fucking piss out of you. Yeah, t- Tiger Shulman. A little overweight, no, too. He's got like I'm a gut. I'm not messing with him. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, he could be like the most like unkempt person, like drunk. It's like, who's that? It's like, oh, you don't know who that is? That's Tiger Shulman. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Do the catchphrase Jones uh, crossover. Every time I think of the bear, like when he was uh, upstage, when it's accepting the Golden Globe or the Emmy, Lionel, like, yeah, that's, that's the dude from Loiter Squad. I, if, it feels like they're my friends, like we grew up with them, and I'm just so happy <laughs> for them. Would... Like Tyler's become Wait. like a huge, like global star, and Lionel's an actor. I feel like I can go up to him on the street and dab him up, and like in my head, be like, oh shit, what's up, man? Like, long time no see even though we've never met <laughs> so they really just like over the last 10 years they just went from a group of friends group of kids now they're just like really doing well for themselves it's awesome to see it is fucking crazy like obviously tyler but even frank ocean like people right are, like yeah. begging begging for new albums like had one of the best albums of the past decade um lionel from the bear and then earl and even like yeah earl if you talk to like a real hip-hop fan like they'll like hype him up what a crew. Yeah. Our crew fucking sucks compared to that. <laughs> we, and we're coming up on fucking, the 10-year mark. Our crew is garbage. Well, Teddy's about to get a new promotion. Uh, Nash is a pig. Me and Aaron, we've been to TIFF a couple of times. Yeah. Remember when we saw Dune early, Teddy? Me and you? No, 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 no. No, Teddy, you weren't there, remember? You have to watch it with the rest of the public. Uh, okay, we'll take a few more questions here. Uh, this one here from Eric. I just watched Dune for the first time, and I thought it was dot, 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 not good. Am I missing oh, something? Oof. Yeah, terrible take. Well, there's another question here from Shane. It was like, does Bo regret uh, being too harsh on Dune after he first saw it? And I did. Uh, I went from three and a half to four. So I think a lot of the criticisms I have the first time around still apply for me. And I imagine those just don't sit even... They just don't sit well with a lot of people, and it takes them I can out see, of it. Like if someone well, left, if that guy read the book, maybe yeah, that's a little let down from the book. I could, I could definitely understand seeing watching Dune with somebody and then being like, yeah, yeah. Not oh for me, sure, man. yeah, no, like uh, my sister and uh, my brother-in-law would absolutely hate Dune. They'd be like, this is a <laughs> Star Wars ripoff that's just boring. No chance Elena makes it through the whole movie. <laughs> Do they There's, like anything? I feel like they're, most of their opinions that you share are like... I'm trying to think what was the last... They didn't like Oppenheimer. Loved Barbie. <laughs> My brother-in-law, uh, as soon as they did the 2001 bit, he was like, yeah, this movie's for me. They liked the favorite, though, when we saw it, right? Were yeah, they, they, they did like the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. They're hard to please. I'll never, I'll never forget when you were like... Um, he was like telling you, but like... Uh, he was listening to a podcast and he's like, and you told me, he's like, yeah, Aaron, um, he, he, he always complains about long movies. Like, Does he know short films exist? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not everybody loves Dune. And even when it came out, it wasn't universally praised. Like uh, David Ehrlich, um, biggest critic, probably alive right now. He What's didn't he like do? part one. What does he do? Like I know he, like I know he's a critic and like he's he's good, he's very good. But like, what wh- who does he work for? Is he his own guy? No, he works for uh, IndieWire. Okay, he's a chief That's, film critic. Is that why every IndieWire like tweet I see the article is like, just hates every movie? 
Yes. Yeah, no, it's usually, it's so funny because they're always presented like it's the website's opinion. But yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's usually just him. That's like a good too. Um, yeah. I heard her a little bit. I wasn't sure what that was. So just, yeah, she's it's not too bad. She's up. She's crying. He strikes know, me oh, no, as I someone who, he strikes me as someone who's like, he's not doing it for, uh, like, I feel some people like to sniff their own farts. Like, oh, I'm just a tough critic. That takes a lot to impress me. No, he's kind of been consistent he with Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, if you, he doesn't really like any of them. So it's just, a, I guess, a filmmaker that doesn't really work for him. And a lot of yeah. the same nah. criticisms always apply. Yeah, he doesn't come off as like, he he knows something you don't. And he's no. He's smarter yeah. than everyone. No, he right? doesn't. Because, uh, I mean, there are critics that, um, and this is every critic, there's always like a preference. Like if a movie comes out and it's slow and it's about nothing, but it's got beautiful imagery and... I'm going to like it. Yeah. Or John Wick. Yeah. That's court, court, courthouse drama. You know, that's five stars for me. Right. Exactly. People always have their preferences and sometimes a, a, just a filmmaker is not really going to work for you. Unless, unless it's Chicago seven. But I think how he feels about Dune is how a lot of people feel about it. That didn't like it. You know, the criticisms were very consistent. Like it's either all that stuff worked for you or it didn't. It's not like there are varying levels of Dune descent. It's just kind of, this is boring and the characters are boring. I mean, that, that is, like I said, that's still a criticism I have is that the, it's a depressing story. And it is thought provoking and and the politics, you know, they mirror our, our own world. So it's not going to be like this Star Wars adventure movie, but there is some colorfulness that I think is absent that is present in the book that the movie really could have used just around the edges. And once again, to just keep hammering this home, the character of Gurney Halleck, you get a lot of the humor and the humanity of the book in that character. And that being absent to me is just for someone who has read the book is, is just so glaring. It's like, why wouldn't you at least do this? Um, and even like the Baron, like the Baron is so much more silly in the book. And here he's just the, you know, disgusting, abhorrent beast of a man. In the book, he's way more flamboyant. How's he fly? So that's essentially like, um, it's like a brace, right? It's like a piece of technology that's just holding him up and it's just really big. So he he's not fly he's not floating. It's like attached to his feet, and it just can hold gotcha. him up. Damn, probably takes a fucking my Iraqis. Probably burning gallons of diesel trying to pick that boy up. Oh boy, yeah, fucking destroying the ozone layer. I th- I don't know why it's always so funny when you just see him in the corner of the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a little baby. <laughs> uh. Uh, this question here from Jordan. If Timothy Chalamet didn't play Paul, who else would you have liked to see in the role? Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do it on purpose, so it's... I know, yeah, that's... It's just yeah. funny how that's always the uh, guy. <laughs> it's either Chalamet or Tom Holland. Um, So, like, Paul is that type of guy. Like oh, yeah, Chalamet yeah. build and okay, so someone like that. I don't know, Skylar Gismondo. <laughs> yeah, like um, some of the, you know, who would have been a good Paul? Uh, the actor who plays Jojen in Game of Thrones. Mm, okay, I think that could have. Uh, he's 
you know, he's much older than he looks now, Thomas Brody Sangster. He's actually three years older than us, which is crazy. But even uh, the kid who played um, Jesse Plemons' son in uh, The Power of the Dog. Okay. He's got yeah. a Paul vibe to him. Uh, okay, so he's like, he's a scrawny little fella. Yeah, no, they kind of describe him in the book. Yeah, he's very skinny. He's just a kid. Yeah. Just, a, just a baby. All right, uh, last question here. This one's from Alex Glainville. Can Aaron convince Bo to watch One Piece? I don't know. It's it's a commitment. I don't know if you're up for like because the thing with One Piece is I'm okay with watching it and for like that just being the only thing I watch for months. Where I feel like you would just be too, you know, want to experience other things as well. Yeah, no, you kind of nailed it. The anime binge has been, and I'm so behind on other animes. I mean, there's no convincing. I want to watch One Piece. Everything I hear about it makes it sound like it's literally the best anime of all time. And eventually, I think I will get around to it. So there's no convincing. It's just a matter of... Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're like down for a slow and steady approach, I think that'll be the best bet. But... Um, yeah, and everybody yeah, tells me to just skip the filler. Are you skipping filler? It depends. Like Some of them are so placed in a position where it's like you have so much momentum and then you're just going to drop filler. So I would skip something like that where if I'm like really itching to really get on with it. And there's some of them are like Elseworlds where they're, they're not even within the world of One Piece. That's just like the same characters, but like like a fun little side, like fun little story that has nothing to do with that world or anything. So I skip those. So it lives up to the hype for you? Yeah, I think it's <laughs> obviously I'm not finished yet, but at its peak, like when it when it's really rolling, it's fucking awesome. Um, and apparently you haven't even hit like the, not to say that the rest isn't good, but like the real good shit. Well, I've looked up like where people, like where arcs are the best. So I think I've gotten like, like Order 7 and um, like Ennis Lobby. That's like a big one. That's like one of the top arcs. And I finished that and that was fucking incredible. But there's still a couple more that like people think hold as to be like like the top of the top that I'm waiting for. Ted, you're all right. You hear that? No, it's oh, that's uh, that's Aaron. Yeah, they're doing uh, construction. Okay, so we're gonna wrap it up. Shit in the dumpster. Yeah, I got construction at my house too. All right, guys, uh, that does it for this episode of Nerd Soup. Thank you for joining us on our Dune Revisited. And as we said, tomorrow we'll be dropping our review of Dune Part Two. So please be on the lookout for that, and make sure you like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And we will be back very shortly. Wait, Paul Walter Hauser. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Hold on. You drop. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Timeline's going to drop fucked later, up, right? right? Yeah, yeah. This no, is going to drop is, later, right? We're, yeah. Doing a little movie magic. Okay. All right. Technically, bye. it's Monday. All right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I got to hit leave. No, don't do that yet. Wow, that was probably our best review yet. Hey, guys. Aaron the Nerd Soup Monkey here with a brief shameless plug before we end the video. Do you ever feel like you don't have an adequate amount of nerd soup in your life? Like you're going to bed hungry and yearning for the nonsensical yet entertaining nutrients our podcasts provide? Well, we've come up with the perfect solution. The Nerd Soup Fan Question Podcast, exclusively available to our Patreon supporters. You can sign up now by visiting patreon.com slash nerdsoup, and for the price of only $1 per month, you'll receive exclusive access to our weekly podcast, where we answer your questions that don't make it to the main show. And while you're there, you can check out the other rewards we offer to our patrons, like 
stickers, mugs, t-shirts, behind-the-scenes footage, and appearing in the credits at the end of our videos. And that's exactly what we're gonna do right now. Roll the names of the nerds who make NerdSoup possible. The reason why the crypto crash didn't send our lives spiraling down a black hole of no return. Alright, I'll stop talking so you can listen to this jazzy-ass music while checking if Bo spelt your name wrong in the credits.